I think sometimes startup founders go through that moment where all of a sudden, maybe an influencer mentions your thing, and now all of a sudden the orders are flying in or the signups are coming in. And that was our world in 1996 when all of a sudden we had these big name clients. But I think the next time that we had to make a serious shift was that kind of dot-com crash around the year 2000. And you had stuff like, who remembers Microsoft front page? And people were like, do I really need to hire a website company? Can't I do this myself? We had to make a pivot of what are we going to specialize in when the whole world thinks they do what we do as well as we do it. I'm Debbie Levitt, and I'm the founder and CXO of Delta CX. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Debbie Levitt is bridging end-to-end customer experience by acting as your fractional CXO. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools lack proper security, putting sensitive data at risk. With KiteWorks MFT, companies can send automated or ad hoc files in a fully integrated, highly secure manner. The solution is FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense and has been so since 2017. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. This episode is sponsored by ClearQuery. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. With Ask ClearQuery, you can find valuable insights into your data using plain English. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify your data analytics with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. Debbie Levitt is an American living in Italy with her Italian husband and their five dogs. Many years ago, she obtained a degree in music, but now focuses on customer experience online, of which she has been called the Mary Poppins of customer experience. Outside of this, she and her husband bought a used camper and quickly became camper people. Her favorite place to take their camper is to Lachis, Italy, but she noted that of her five dogs, zero of them are allowed in the camper. In the 90s, Debbie was helping businesses get on the web, strategizing with them around how to deploy their websites and build an online presence. Fast forward many years, she has shifted into doing work and leading projects centered around customer experience. This is the creation story of Delta CX. 
So Delta CX is a consultancy that focuses on absolutely anything a company of any size or age might need related to CX, the customer experience, UX, user experience, or product strategy. So that's going to be a lot of usually research so we can understand our target audiences and try to make some better strategies and decisions. Sometimes it's more in that UX bucket where we are doing some interactive interaction design and prototype and testing and trying to make sure we have a good solution to the right problem. And again, sometimes it's a lot of that product strategy to make sure that especially a newer company is headed in the right direction and direction more likely to be successful since we all know that unfortunately many startups do fail. I got started around 1995 as a small business strategist and website company. So we were going out there and helping small local businesses get on the web, which was a pretty big deal in 1995, and help them strategize some of their positioning and marketing and web presence and that kind of thing. So that is where this all started. Interesting question I usually ask is, you know, what was the MVP, right? And given this is a, a consultancy, there's not a specific product, but I'm curious about what was your MVP, right? Maybe it was around the 90s when you started helping businesses get on the web, or maybe maybe I'm curious a little more about the progression into what you do today. Tell me about that, you know, that first version of Delta CX and, you know, what sort of things were you using to bring it to life? We've gone through different incarnations and pivots and branding throughout the years, as I think many listeners may identify with. So we didn't start as Delta CX. We started as a company called As Was, which was a punchline to a cartoon I saw in the electric company when I was two. Our slogan was start, market, and improve your business. And so our earliest incarnation was me, and I found one other guy who had a complementary skill set. Everything he was good at, I was terrible at. Everything he was terrible at, I was good at. And I hadn't even met him. And he worked for me for years. And between the two of us, we covered everything that a little website shop could need, especially back then when you were hand coding websites, whereas now you might use WordPress or something like that. Our earliest incarnation was just two people working from home and remotely and trying to offer companies websites and related things. And it exploded for us in our second year when we got hired by the Miss America organization as their official website company. And no matter what your opinion is of the Miss America organization, that was a pretty good client to get in our second year of business. And it helped to launch us into bigger and better things. So let's stay in that phase for now with any sort of, you know, early version of what you're building with a company and what you're offering. You have to make certain decisions and trade-offs about what you're going to do. You mentioned, you know, online presence and websites. You probably got a big client sort of shifting into different things. Tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make in those early days and how you coped with those decisions. One of the first decisions I made was really around who our clients would be because one of our first clients had been a client brought to us by someone in my family, right? We've all started there, friends and family. And they had some friends who was like putting on one of those ultimate fighting type of shows like kickboxers will be fighting 
jujitsu people and not exactly my thing, but okay, early paying client, go for it, kiss some frogs. And I remember the day that I had just signed the Miss America organization and the fighting people emailed me and said, can you add to the website that penthouse pets will be ring card girls? And I sat there for a moment and I said, who do I want to be? I'm not sure I can exist in both of these worlds because the the Miss America people, they felt, at least at the time, that they had a high moral standard. And my thought was, maybe I should choose that as well. Maybe I don't want to do things that could be exploitative to women or things that could be perceived as violent. One of my choices was, do I start filtering out who I think are clients I want and clients I might say no to for reasons some might agree with and some might disagree with. So I remember that being one of my earliest decisions about kind of direction for my own growth. I love the decision you made personally, and I I certainly appreciate that story too. It's definitely an important part of who you are as a business to decide, you know, like who you serve. And that's a that's a hard decision, especially early days, because revenue is, is important. Yeah, I want to jump in and remind everybody who was online in the late 90s, what was the biggest money making industry? It begins with a P and it ends with an N. It's got four letters. I don't know if we say these words on your show, but... I could have made wild money going into that because we had a great little company and we were growing and we could have been good at that, but that's not where I wanted to make my money. And we can put all the adjectives we want on it, but that was my decision. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools are dated and lack the security that today's remote workforce demands. Companies that continue relying on outdated technology put their sensitive data at risk. And that's where KiteWorks comes in. KiteWorks MFT is absolutely the most secure MFT on the market today. It has been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. Through FedRAMP, KiteWorks level of security compliance provides a fast route to CMMC compliance, saving customers time, effort, and money. KiteWorks MFT makes it easy for users to send automated or ad hoc files via fully integrated shared folders and email. Administrators can manage policies in a unified console and create custom integrations using their API. Did we mention it's secure? The level of security with KiteWorks Solution is rare to find. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's K-I-T-E-W-O-R-K-S dot com. This episode is sponsored by CashFly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where CashFly comes in. CashFly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, CashFly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only CashFly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at CashFly.com slash CodeStory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash CodeStory. 
So then you've got a, a, a business that's working. How did you progress it from there? How did you grow it and mature it? And I'm curious about, you know, for Delta CX, what would be your kind of roadmap? You know, like, and, and what would be, you know, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to do for Delta CX? Back in those days, I don't think I had that plan. It was really just like, holy cats, this is, it's happening. I think sometimes startup founders go through that moment where all of a sudden, maybe an influencer mentions your thing, and now all of a sudden the orders are flying in or the signups are coming in. And that was our world in 1996 when all of a sudden we had these big name clients. But I think the next time that we had to make a serious shift was that kind of dot-com crash around the year 2000. And that's where we lost a lot of clients. A lot of people went out of business and you had stuff like who remembers Microsoft front page and people were like, do I really need to hire a website company? Can't I do this myself? Can't my mail person's dog walkers, nail polish removers cousin do this? We had to pivot. We had to make a pivot of what are we going to specialize in when the whole world thinks they do what we do as well as we do it. What we ended up shifting into was I had a client at the time who was a local small camera store, sold new and used cameras near where I lived at the time in New York. And he said, what's this eBay thing? Should I be selling on eBay? I said, sure. I, I know lots of things about eBay. You could absolutely sell your new and used cameras on eBay. Let's set you up with a whole plan and program and uh, strategy and we'll design it. We'll design what your listings will look like. We'll design your eBay store. And we mapped out this whole thing for him and we put it into effect. And within his first year on eBay, he was selling a million dollars a year. And I had to say, I think I'm good at this. <laughs> I, th I think this is a thing. And so then for many years, in the kind of the 2000 to 2008 bucket, we were focused on specializing, yes, in websites and small business strategies, but also working with eBay sellers and helping them start on eBay or grow on eBay. And we had a track record that was so unbelievable that Seth Godin wrote about me in one of his books. And again, we've hit some bad times, certainly, but in the 2000s, we were riding pretty well until that 2008 recession. So I'm interested in, in team. How do you go about building your team for Delta CX? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? So fast forwarding to today and the types of teams I'm building today for the types uh, of things and tasks and projects that we're doing today, I am looking for first and foremost critical thinkers. So I'm looking for intelligent people with good logic, reasoning, critical thinking. People who are good at seeing possible outcomes and predicting what might happen in different situations. Because again, as strategists, we need to be able to use those powers to help a company see something they're not seeing. More secondarily, I might be looking at some personality aspects because of course you want people to be great to work with, you want the clients to love them. I look at past experience because sometimes I bring on people who don't have as much past experience, but I can just tell they've got these magic powers and I'm happy to give them a chance at the level they're at. And sometimes I'm bringing in some incredibly heavy hitters, people who have done unbelievable work for really famous brands over the past few decades. I'm really looking more for talent and skill that's hard to find somewhere else. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. 
The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. Hello, welcome to the Data Analytics Club. Do you know the password? No, I didn't know there was one. Do you know how to code? Uh, no. Do you know how to query data? Like, ask a question? I guess not. Hmm, I see. Then you can't be in this club. Sorry, goodbye. Don't be left out of the Analytics Club. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. ClearQuery provides you with the information you need without requiring you to do the heavy lifting. Their Ask ClearQuery feature allows you to ask questions in plain English, helping you find relationships and connections in your data that may have previously gone unnoticed. You can even visualize your data with presentation mode, taking your data storytelling to the next level. Pricing is based on storage, not licenses, and that ensures that you get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify data analytics, your data analytics, with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. This will be interesting given what, what you're building here. I'm curious where scalability comes into play. You know, sometimes I talk about that from scalability of a product from a technology standpoint, but I'm curious about scalability of your business and what you offer. How do you address scaling? And has there been anywhere, you know, throughout the time of Delta CX where you've had to fight this as you've grown? I would say it was really hard in those 2000s years because, like, where do you find someone who just happens to be a critical thinker and great at all the things we were doing, websites and design and strategy, and then knew everything about eBay? It was really important to deeply understand eBay selling more than anyone else. And that was hard to find because it was such a combination of such kind of bizarre skills. Nobody's exactly coming out of college with a degree in eBay. For today, it's a little bit different because things related to CX and UX are things that you can study in university and from great coaches and mentors and teachers out there. And unfortunately, in our industry, we lost about 70% of our jobs in 2023 due to the layoffs. So uh, hypothetically, right now, I've got the pick of the litter. And so as we grow and find new customers and clients and projects, I've really got a, a bizarre number of people available to me from around the world who are sadly looking for work, but in many cases, amazingly talented and experienced. So then for what what you're building, how do you maintain culture, right? How do you build and maintain a team culture? And what does that look like at Delta CX? 
The culture starts with a lot of honesty. My staff are always amazed at the level of honesty and transparency that I give them. They know what I'm charging the customer. They know what they're being paid. They know what each other is being paid. They know what some of my expenses are. I just make sure that there's complete honesty inside the business and with our clients as well. Now, of course, our clients don't always know our markup, for example, but inside the business, the culture is one of honesty for for starters. And I know that to get that from people, I also have to give that to people. And so the culture is about really honesty and support and making sure that everybody knows that they can be whoever they are. So for example, we have some people on our team who have disabilities, diagnoses, or conditions. We don't see it as an accommodation or something we have to do. This is just something that naturally makes sense to us to say, how do you work best? I want to play to your strengths. Is there a time when you work best? Is there a number of hours you work best? Are there tools that help you work best? And I think when you really care about humans and care about that honesty and that connection, then you want to play to their strengths and you don't see anything else as, I I don't even want to call it a weakness because I don't even see these things as weaknesses because we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses, but I don't see anybody's disabilities, diagnoses, or conditions as a weakness. In some cases, they're superpowers. And so I think that the culture has to be one of support and a lot of internal mentoring and coaching. We're always raising each other up and teaching each other new things. It's my world and it's a small world and I want it to be an amazing place. And sometimes when people leave the nest and they go try working somewhere else, I often get a lot of messages about how much they miss the what we had here and the, the culture and the experience. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I always think about why am I here? Why am I on this planet? And I always think I'm here as a catalyst. I'm here as a catalyst for change. And that's why I named the newest incarnation of my company Delta CX, because the Delta is all about change. Those of you who remember your math and your physics and so on. I think that what I'm most proud of is any opportunity I have to create change, whether that's for somebody who's working with me or a client or a customer or a company I'm with. How can I raise somebody up and push their boat out and be a catalyst to them? Any time that I can do that is what's most rewarding for me. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. There have been different types of mistakes. I think as a business owner mistake, we actually got an offer to be bought before the 2008 recession. And sometimes I look back and I think, oh, you should have done that. I think I had a little too much pride at the time. I thought we were worth more. I'm not sure I was right. It wasn't a bad offer and I didn't take it. And I think that was a mistake, but it it was a short-term mistake in the sense that eventually a lot of the companies related to providing services for eBay sellers, and this was a a, a similar company that wanted to buy us, we've all kind of gone six feet under to some extent, at least for the eBay side, because eBay just changed everything to catalog structured data, kind of Amazon-y stuff. So I wonder what would have what would the path have looked like if I had sold at that time, which was like 2007. It was we were flying high. 
couple of years ago, I got brought into a company to do a very big project. They wanted me. They wanted my brain and expertise and perspectives and strategic nature and so on. And the mistake I made was I didn't come in with a team. This was a huge $1 billion company, which to some people is a small company, but to me it was a pretty big company. $1 billion company that really wanted me to make some strategic change. And I should have come in with a team. I came in alone. And I think that probably overworked me a bit and made me a little less effective than I wanted to be. They ultimately said they were happy with what I did. And they they paid me and they didn't cancel the contract early. So I don't think it was a disaster, but I do feel like I made a mistake by not saying, hey, I'm glad you want me. Thank you so much for your interest in Delta CX. But hey, I come with these three people and it's going to take this team to make the change you're looking for. I think that was a mistake. So what does the future look like for Delta CX, you know, your company and for your team? See, the past has been a little bit wobbly with the pandemic and all the layoffs and stuff. And so to me, the future is bright, but the present is a little admittedly wobbly. I imagine there are listeners out there who feel the same. So I don't want to make it. Remember, if my top uh, value is honesty, I'm not going to pretend things are going better than they are. The future is exciting for us because I know that what we're doing is interesting and unique and we've been getting new types of potential clients that we haven't gotten in the past. We've been getting, obviously we have the big billion dollar company, which was really exciting to do that work. And then a year ago, we did a project for a small startup that was having trouble finding product market fit. And we did a very inexpensive, in the scheme of the universe, project with them that really helped them decide who they were going to be when they grew up. And so I think the future is exciting because we can play in any arena from relatively small projects for up and coming companies to much larger consulting or change projects or CX or UX projects for the big companies. So I would have to say I'm cautiously excited because I feel like we've got great things going on with great people, but I also know that people aren't opening their wallets right now. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a waiting game. So let's switch to you, Debbie. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. Yeah, there's a couple of people who I look up to. Growing up, my family were all entrepreneurs. And so my model there was my grandmother. She was part of the family business and she was a real powerhouse. And she was the kind of person who was the first one at work and the last one to go. She was definitely someone who I modeled a lot of my stuff. In the outside of the family, I would have to say that I greatly idolize, though of course it's an imperfect company, but I greatly idolize Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. So I'm not too into movies or princesses or video games, but I am a diehard obsessive fan of uh, Walt Disney World in Florida and the hotels and kind of the ecosystem that they've built there. I really feel like it's the pinnacle of customer experience and that there's so much that we can learn from it and so much that has influenced me since I started going to Walt Disney World as a kid in 1977. And I think anybody who's 
spent some time in Walt Disney World Florida might have a sense of what I'm talking about. If you haven't been, then it's like, okay, she wants to go to an amusement park. But I think if you've been, you have a sense of the level of immersive and extensive positive experiences that, that they're able to create. So this is a little bit different spin on the question about a mistake. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Doesn't have to be something that didn't work. Could have even worked well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. So what happened was I often say that I was doing UX work before I knew what UX was. And I didn't know that the work we were doing was a variation of what we now know as human-centered design or user-centered design. And even though we say design, it's design with a capital D where it starts with research and goes into strategy. Like it's a large process and it goes back decades. And I didn't know that I was improvising my own made-up version of that, but that there was somewhere out there a more formalized, standardized thing that I only stumbled on years later. And I think that if I had known about these processes and techniques and the science behind it, I think I could have been even more effective at what I was doing. And and that could have propelled me further earlier. So rather than just going by my gut on a lot of stuff, I I wish that I had known that there was a formalized thing and, and maybe had some training from some of the early, most knowledgeable, experienced people of the time. Okay, Debbie, last question. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and get what showed off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit with Delta CX? I am sometimes the Debbie Downer who has questions like, how'd you validate that? I think it depends. If that person truly has found product market fit, then that that's great. But I think a lot of people haven't, or a lot of people think they have, but haven't. And so if it's really just a, sitting on a plane, maybe I smile and nod. But I think if I get the feeling they're open to critical thinking or challenging questions, I think I would ask them, what, type of, what types of observational research did you do with your target audience? How did you understand your target audience's tasks, behaviors, motivators, needs, perspectives, and mental models. How did you validate this? Did you start with a problem and making sure there was a problem? Or did you start with the idea and try to find the people who liked the idea? So yeah, I am sometimes a little bit of that tough love person who's asking some of the questions people didn't totally want to talk about. But uh, I think if I would have to give them advice, I would say hire professional, qualified qualitative researchers who do observations and interviews and make sure you always know as much as possible about your target audiences and their tasks, behaviors, needs, context, and things like that so that you can make sure that you're always moving into solutions that are likely to fit them. If you can't attract the customers, make them happy and keep them, what do you have? And so I think I would try to have some critical thinking conversations around that if I thought they were open to that. Otherwise, it might just be smiling and nodding. I like that answer. That's fantastic. Well, Debbie, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Delta CX. Thanks so much. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. 
Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.